first verse, I'm kind of homesick. I'm kind of homesick for a country to which I've never been. could please god bless you this morning saints welcome into the house of the lord if you're visiting with us this morning we just want to extend a warm welcome to you trust that you'll feel at home in the presence of the lord this morning amen we have a few specials some announcements so we're just gonna get right into it but most of all we've come to worship we've come to hear the word so let's just keep that in our hearts as we move through the morning but i've been singing this the last couple days so i'd like you to sing it with me oh i want to see him to look upon his face is that a desire of your heart Amen. I believe we're closer than ever. Let's sing it together as I journey. Oh, as I journey through.
That's my destiny. Oh, I'm going to see him one day. Hallelujah. Let's sing I Believe the True Report. A flat. A flat? Yeah. I believe the true report. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I am past the outer core. Praise this morning. Put that third verse up there for me. 
but the blood has brought me in to God's holiness so clean. It's not by anything we've done, saints. It's by the blood of the Lamb this morning. There's atonement for us. There's an answer for our needs. There's healing in that blood this morning. And then we're going to prepare to go to prayer. Maybe you could just begin to play if I could but touch the hem of his garment. I've had this song on my heart for several days now, ever since Wednesday night service. And there's a prayer request again from our sister Violet for her grandson, just a young child, little brother Ezekiel, asking for prayer for pain management and infection in his body. His numbers continue to go up, but we have a God who answers prayer. You know, there's a lot of people who don't believe in a God that heals, but we believe in a God who heals. And that cancer devil has been raising its head lately, and I want to see it stomped underneath the heel of faith this morning. We want to raise up our sister Clara, our sister Vandy. God bless you. We're remembering you. And when God heals, and I believe that this morning, Brother Murphy's going to come and open the service for us in a word of prayer. But let's just sing this. Let's enter in on behalf of these needs that they could just reach out, or we could reach out on their behalf and touch the hem of the garment of the healer this morning for them. Let's just sing that chorus, If I Could But Touch. If I could but touch Oh, the hem of His garment Oh, if I could but touch Just one part of His robe I know I'd be healed And my sins are touch. Father, Lord, this is the place that we worship you and give you all the glory and thanks. Because, Lord, you have done great and tremendous things that are among us, Lord. Lord, one after another, we saw that the miracle, we saw that the healing, we saw that God's promises had come true. We saw that the vision that had come to true. Lord, we know that you are still the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Whatever you ever promised it in the Bible, that you will always perform it. It's not a late in us to perform it, but Lord, it's a lazy in you to do it. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ who paid it all debts, who paid it all the debts that we could not pay. Lord, all the blessing and all the power, then everything is all laid in the blood of Jesus Christ, which is as we have received and then we have applied. So, Lord, we come before you. We know that today there is no exception that you would do the same thing, Lord. Lord, there is a many need that in this body. But Lord, we know you have, uh, even before we pended it down, you have to know every one of them. Lord, we remember that uh, Sister Clara, Lord, uh, our Sister Ramona, Sister Randy, our Sister Helen Billisberger, and Sister Beth, who is sitting here, and Brother Milko that is sitting in a wheelchair. Lord, these are soldiers, Lord. These are the persons that defy the devils that attack, defy the sickness, that defy the diseases that the demons try to put it on them. So, Lord, we come in, in battle. But, Lord, we also know this is a battle has already finished. Because when you were nailed on a cross, you have announced and said, it is finished, Lord. When it's finished, then we know the healing is finished. We know that the power of God has been released. We know that deliverance is finished. We know the cancer is finished. You only send your prophet in this age to tell us said fear not of this cancer because not because of the prophet but because of the Jesus Christ has paid a price already you just reassure to us fear not a little children so father we come in here to give you glory glorify our God that 2,000 years he said it paid the price of the cancer it paid a price for the sugar diabetes it paid a price for everything because of the in the name of Jesus Christ, every demon has to bow. Oh God, we give you thanks and give you all the glory. Lord, that we know we're not just to pray in vain. We pray that and know that everything is already done to us. That know by your stripes that they are healed. So Father, we give you all the thanks. No matter who they are, they, no matter what in need it is, no matter how many unbelief that is in there, but Lord, as we ever heard that of the word, Lord, unbelief cannot hinder you. So, Lord, we pray for the little Ezekiel that we know that no matter how unbelief that it in front of us, but we rebuke every unbelief. Lord, this is the grandson of our dear sister Viola. So, in the name of Jesus Christ, you already done one miracle that it kept us alive. Lord, we ask you to take away the pain, Lord. Lord, completely restore this to the young boy. Not to give a man's glory, but give a God glory. Because you are worthy, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Lord, as we part of the worship, Lord, we come here to worship in our mouths, to give you thanksgiving. But Lord, we also give it a thanksgiving in our worship about our tithes and an offering. As we give it to you, Lord, we ask you, you multiply it. Lord, and may everyone, Lord, that they can give or they cannot give, may the blessing of a God just a poor double portion on them. Lord, you have a promise, and that's what we're coming here to do. We thank you, Lord. We ask you to bring the service, Lord, to the reality this morning. 
as your servant is going to come. He has to prepare it in himself. We ask that the presence of God take the word of God into, into each one's heart. May your name be glorified. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As the deacons are taking the offering. And we have so many things that we can be thankful to. And that I myself have a lot of things that we can be thankful to as well. And that I've been waiting for this announcement for a while. But on behalf of Brother Louise and Sister Grace, and that if you can put a photo of they announced their baby boy. That's born in October 17th, and seven and a half pounds uh, is a big boy. And uh, we're so thankful. And uh, Grace and Louise is already here, and Louise is a baby. But what I'm very thankful is not only just that the baby boy, uh, born, um, but is the scripture the Lord has made it fulfilled. So uh, I'll just um, read that scripture that it again. It has been a, such a, a tremendous anchor that for me. It said that for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though he tarry, wait for it, because he will surely come and he will not tarry. And more than two and a half years ago, Brother Ron Spencer saw the vision that I'm holding a baby. And then the later, uh, how the difficulty to come, and that my daughter, she cannot conceive. That's the scripture that I quoted to her. And then the uh, service after service, Lord has reconfirmed that to her and uh, Brother Louise. And to the Lord, uh, uh, this day, I will say this scripture is fulfilled right in front of our eyes. And then I, I sent, it a, uh, sent it a text to, to Brother Wrong and quoted it the same scripture that it to him. And that it also, uh, the, the picture was me holding the baby. And then the Brother Wrong sent it at the back. He said, Brother Murphy, now the vision is in your arm. And I'm so thankful for that. And I want to say to all our brothers and sisters, God is a true, and He's a faithful. And Sister Wendy, and she, He is a faithful. And all the, I don't care what sickness that is, but God's word can never lie. His promise, it is always the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're thankful and we're believing for all the need. And we're believing for our ultimate goal and ultimate the heavenly home, the Lord had given it to us for that body change. May the Lord bless you, every one of them. God bless you, everyone. Amen. We're going to invite our brother, Brother Moses Dallas here from Edmonton, and he's going to come sing for us. He's here from End time message tabernacle. So he's a special for us. Why don't you go ahead and just come at this time? And I think we'll need someone to help with the chair and the setup. Thank you, Brother Caleb. Amen. So we're not going to delay the service. We'll let him sing his special. We'll need the guitar, Brother Luis, as well. So once again, we want to welcome you to the service. I saw a number of visitors. God bless you. It's so nice to see you and a number of others. 
Amen. We just want God to have his way this morning, though. So I'm not going to delay with the song, so we'll just go ahead and allow Brother Moses. He's going to tell us a little bit about the song before he sings. Brother Moses, thank you. God bless you. If you'd like to go ahead and maybe tell us a little bit about your song. you. God bless you. Greet you in the name of Lord Jesus Christ and I'm bringing greetings from Edmonton and Time Message Tabernacle. Um, the title of my song is uh, The Victory Sure and um, I'm going to speak, I'm going to sing in French, I'm fluent in French, and the song is about the victory that let uh, believe in the message, that believe in the word of God that we have received, and uh, God who made the promise is going to make it to pass because he's faithful, and let's just keep uh, pressing on, Amen. Revêtons notre armure, vivons en vainqueur, car la victoire est sûre. Menons le combat de la foi, saisissons la vie éternelle à laquelle nous sommes appelés. La victoire, victoire est sûre. Sachant compter sur Jésus, mon Jésus. Lui qui fit la promesse Ne manquera pas de l'accomplir La victoire Victoire est sûre Elle est sûre Sachant compter sur Jésus Mon Jésus Lui qui fit la promesse Ne manquera pas de l'accomplir Souffrons en vainqueurs, sachant garder nos cœurs de plaintes et des murmures. Croyons pouvoir de ce message comme une âme invincible. Alors la couronne est au bout, oh, la victoire. Victoire est sûre, elle est sûre, sachant compter sur Jésus, mon Jésus. Lui qui fit la promesse ne manquera pas de la campagne. Ces membres en confiance, 
nos cœurs, des plaintes et des murmures. Que chacun de nous mette au service des autres les dons de Dieu qu'il a reçus. Car la victoire, la victoire est sûre, elle est sûre. Sachant compter sur Jésus, oh mon Jésus, mon Jésus, mon Jésus, mon Jésus, oh mon Jésus, lui qui fit la promesse, oh ne manquera pas de la compie, mon Jésus, oh mon Jésus, mon Jésus. Mon Jésus, oh mon Jésus, lui qui fit la promesse, ne manquera pas de la Ranimons notre ardeur et vivons ce message qui unit nos cœurs dans l'amour. Soyons unis et forts qu'une charité sincère préside à tous nos efforts car la victoire victoire est sûre elle est sûre sachant compter sur Jésus oh mon Jésus lui qui fit la promesse oh ne manquera pas de la manquera pas de l'accomplir. Amen. Thank you, Brother Moses. Nice to have you here with us this morning. Bring our greetings back to Edmonton, if you would, please. And Brother Todd, why don't you come, if you would, please. We have another special. Brother Todd Ryer is going to come sing for us. Let's just sing uh, Greater Than All, if we can, as he comes and prepares. It's greater than all my sin Is the blood that still cleanses me Is the grace that still sets me I cannot fall for its greater 
blood's applied. Oh yes, I know the blood. The blood is applied. I'm walking in newness of life. I cannot fall for its greater than all. The blood of the I want to thank you. I, last time I sang a song at the camp, I asked you to pray for my mother-in-law. She was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And I brought that request to Brother Sam Ray. He brought it to the prayer committee. I mean, committee is a bad word. Prayer group. Uh, and uh, Brother John Andes and me, we laid hands on my mother-in-law. And... There's something about standing up here. It just humbles a man. It just humble men. Uh, let's see. It's hard to be proud and be a humble man. So thank God I'm not proud anymore because this platform tends to soften you up. But I want to tell you that everything is true about these prayers. My mother-in-law, stage four cancer, was has been reduced to the size of a peanut in her lungs. And she walks around, and she's an 88-year-old woman, and she looks like she's in her 70s, so praise the Lord. So. from a world of care and bids me at my father's throne make all of my wants my wishes known in the seasons of distress and grief my soul it has often found relief oh and often escaped the tempter's snare by thy return sweet hour of prayer sweet hour of prayer sweet hour of prayer the joy that I feel and the bliss that I share Of those whose anxious spirits they burn With the strong desire for thy return With such I hasten to the place Where Jesus my Father, he shows his face Oh, and gladly take 
my station there and wait for the sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, thy wings shall my petition bear. To him whose truth and faithfulness engages the waiting soul to bless. And since he bids me, I will seek his face, believe in his word, and trust his grace Oh, I'm gonna cast on him My every care And wait for thee, oh sweet hour of prayer Sweet hour of prayer Sweet hour of prayer May I thy consolation bear Until from Mount Pisgah's lofty heights I view my home and I take my flight This robe of flesh, I'm gonna drop it and rise To seize my everlasting prize Oh, then I will shout while traveling through the air Farewell, farewell Farewell, farewell Farewell, farewell Farewell, farewell Sweet hour Sweet hour of prayer Amen. Thank you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Brother Todd. We're going to invite our brother Tim to come. We had another special. I'm sorry, brothers. We will get to you as soon as we can, but I think we're ready for the word. So let's have our brother Tim come. I'd like to just sing the chorus to the absolute. Let's sing, We've Made It Back to the Absolute. We've Made It Back to Living True as our brother Tim comes to bring the word to us now. We've made it back to living true. Yes, we've made it back to the absolute. Oh, back to where the church stands strong. Back to where there's a right and there's a wrong. We've made it back to black and white. You see the difference it's day.
play that for me? Don't sing. Just play it for me. Even you deacons wise, come on. I just love to rejoice in where we are. Brother Michael preached on it on Wednesday night. Not looking forward to what God's going to do or looking back to what he has done, but rejoicing in what he's done right now, what he's doing right now. Amen. We've made it back to where there's a right and where there's a wrong. Of all people, you, lay, you people in Laodicean age, I was going to say you Laodicean people, that wouldn't sound very good. But you people in the Laodicean age ought to rejoice. We know what's right and we know what's wrong. This age has lost their way. They do not identify in a right and a wrong. Everybody has their truth. There's only one truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen. That's the reality. All this other fakeness that's going around is pass away one day. But I'm glad we've come back to the absolute. Amen. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I want to bring you greetings this morning from Brother David Combo. Brother Murphy and I were with him on uh, last weekend. He has annual missions meetings. And uh, we had a wonderful time there. Many of the brother, brothers and sisters gathered around from the New England states. And, uh, you know, I was just reading Brother Murphy. It was actually in the New England states that Brother Branham had his last test. And, uh, uh, and so, you know, it's sometimes you visit an area and you don't always realize the significance of it. But God has a way of uh, doing things that are beyond the control of man. And the Lord was with us. We had wonderful meetings and were able to share with them the mission's burden. Also speaking with Brother Stephen Abali the other day, and he said, be sure and greet the church there for me, especially Brother Biscoll, Brother Tom, and, and uh, so we bring greetings from Uganda. Now, before I go, I'll be actually going there in a couple of days, and appreciate your prayers. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? I think we're ready to turn to the Word. Thank you, musicians. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Mark, chapter 11.
I know Brother Deepak is here. Sister Vandy, I think you're going right away to India this week, Tuesday. Amen. So if you, if you haven't greeted them, we might not see them for a while. So you want to greet them this morning after the service if you can. God bless you. We certainly uh, pray that you'll go with Godspeed and that you'll have journeying mercies and that the Lord will use you mightily over there in India. Brother Louise and Sister Grace, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to congratulate you or your father. <laughs> Brother Murphy is a proud grandpa. Welcome to being a grandfather. It's his first, and some of us have more than one grandchild, and it becomes almost old news, but the, all of them are precious. All of them are precious, and we thank God for each and every one. Brother Moses, where are you sitting? You're over there. He's kind of snuck in this morning, sang a song. Brother Moses is actually a preacher. And uh, uh, how many of you understood what he was singing? How many understood the words, the French, en français? All right, just a few. Aren't you glad that the message didn't come in French? I know you're going to say the prophecy came in French, uh, yeah. and, uh, uh, but that just highlights to us the importance of translation. Amen. How would it be if the whole message was in French and you couldn't read it? Right. We'd be sitting here this morning and go, oh, I wish we had a translator. So we appreciate all the translators, all of the effort in translation, which is a part of the work of the Lord that is going on around the world. So next time you wonder about tr how important translation is, remember this service. As you sat through a song, you didn't have a clue what he was singing. Meant most of us. But yet, we believe it was of the Lord, and certainly the title was. Amen. That is our victory, and we thank God for that. So God bless you, Brother Moses. Good to see you again. And uh, as I think somebody has said, take our greetings back with you. To our dear brothers and sisters there. Amen. Mark chapter 11. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer this morning before we read. Heavenly Father, we just come now into your presence and just desire, Lord, that you'll come and take the preeminence this morning. Lord, not just of the service, we believe that you will have your way, but Lord, individually in our lives. We don't want to leave this service without saying that you spoke with us along the way and our, caused our hearts to burn within us. And Lord, we want to yield ourselves to you for that purpose, knowing, Father, that you have a design, you have a purpose, you have something that you want to accomplish this morning in the lifting up of the people and their faith towards you and their relationship with you. We've heard this morning of some, Lord, that are in the midst of a trial in their mortal bodies, that are, whether it be a little baby that can't appropriate faith, Lord, we bear them up, or whether it be someone that's walking in the way and the devil is afflicting them. There is nothing happens but what you know it, Lord, and you do care for each one. And you said we should cast our cares upon you because you care for us. 
And we do that this morning and pray, Father, that you'll anoint your word afresh this morning and may it go to each and every needy person. I want to confess that I'm needy this morning. And and whatever the need is, may your word be directed exactly to the matter, Lord, and may it break every chain, may it loose every captive. Lord, may it, may it touch every sickness and drive it from the bodies, O God. Lord, we surrender our lives, we surrender our beings to you now, asking, Father, that you'll just take now complete control and bless the reading and the speaking of your word. We say control, Lord, for we don't want it to be in the hands of man this morning. We want it to be in the hands of God. We ask your blessing in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 11, excuse me. If I have you stand just for a moment while I read this, and uh, Mark 11, and I want to start at verse 12. My subject this morning is the example ruler, and uh, I want to speak about ruling because that is what we are called to do. Did you know that you were born to rule? You know, David was born to rule, but it took him a long time to get there, and he had to go through many battles. But you are born to rule. You've been called in these last days. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. And our example is the Lord Jesus Christ. And here as he walks on this earth, I want you to catch now what he does with the power that has been given to him. And it says, On the morrow when they were come to Bethany, he was hungry, verse 12, verse 13, and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon, and when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet, and Jesus answered and said unto it, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever, and his disciples heard it. Now, Brother Branham takes this and says, if Jesus is concerned about just the tree, how much more is he concerned about you? But it's not just a tree. It's actually the fig tree is a type of Israel. And he's walking through Israel looking for fruit. But there's no fruit to be found. All right? And that's exemplified by the next set of verses. It seems disconnected, but it's not disconnected. It says, and they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. Now that's an amazing statement. There's a deacon for you. Jesus standing in the temple and somebody comes carrying a vessel through the temple. He says, whoa, just a minute, you're not supposed to do that. That's contrary to the Word of God. Get out of here with that or put that down. Jesus is stopping people from carrying any vessel. He would not suffer anybody to carry any vessel through the temple. Is that what it says? All right. And he taught them, and he taught saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves? And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. And when even was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. This is what was going to happen to Israel. It was about to dry up. 
It was about to receive a curse of God as they cry out, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. Is that right? Israel as a nation will perish. He says, and, and Peter calling to remembrance said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering saith unto him, unto them, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. We believe that. And when you stand praying, forgive. So I didn't just say pray and believe, but also there's a right attitude or approach in the midst of this. When you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, now this is exactly what Jesus said in the in the prayer, in the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven. He ends it up with these same words. For if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. Remembering Brother Tom this morning in the Philippines and, and trust that he'll have a safe journey home. As he's traveling home this week, I think, Friday. And uh, so just remember him. And uh, we'll be, I'll be heading out of town this week. Appreciate your prayers. How many have ever seen God do something supernaturally? Raise your hand. Amen. Almost unanimous. If you're a Christian and you've been a Christian very long, you've seen God do something supernaturally. Whether it be uh, the salvation of a soul, which is the most supernatural thing and the deliverance from the things of the world, whether it be a miracle, and uh, whether it be a healing, whether it be a vision or spiritual dreams, or the dead raised back to life, or see tumors drop off somebody, people saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, natures changed, lives transformed. All of those things are all the supernatural hand of God. And, and if we think about it in reflection this morning, we can say, we don't really understand how it happened. Can you say amen to that? Amen. We saw something happen. We believe it was God, and it was God. Uh, I've seen things from my youth. I've seen God do things. And, 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 but yet, in the, in the center of it, we can say, but I don't really comprehend how it operated. I don't, I don't really understand how to make it work because uh, as far as we might say mechanically or as far as some natural human understanding, we realize when something happens, you can't reproduce it. Brother Branham says when, you, when somebody dreams is a dreamer, he says, you can't say to them, go dream me a dream, right? It's not something they control. He says, neither do I control the visions. He says, it's not something that you, somebody say, oh, Brother Branham, see a vision for me. You don't control those things. Is something that God does himself. You see, God does not work by our understanding. He works by our faith. Amen? It's not important that we understand it, 
But faith that comes by hearing the Word of God operates the power of God within our life. And that's what Brother Branham took out of Mark 11. If you say to, these, to this mountain, be thou removed, whatsoever things you ask, believing, you shall have what you ask for. It's just that simple, even though you don't understand it. So the simplicity is not in the understanding of it. The simplicity is in the believing of it. That we, uh, we, uh, the Word of God has been quickened to us. It's been made real enough in our lives as we, as I like to quote that quote, as Brother Branham said, the Holy Ghost-filled believer has enough power of God in them to speak worlds into existence and go and live on them. Amen. That's how much power is in each one of you sons and daughters of God this morning. But it's governed by a law, and that law is not a law of do's and don'ts. It's a law of faith. As much as God will lead you to believe you can have whatsoever you ask for because the power of it is already in you. The power is already in you, Sister Vandy. The power is already in you, Sister Ramona or Sister Clara. The power is already in you no matter what you're going through. It already lays there. We just have to surrender ourselves to the, to the, to the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. We just have to let the faith take over and let the faith become the center of our existence. And, it, and Holy Ghost-filled believers are led by the Spirit of God. They're not led by knowledge. They're not led by science. You know, and I, it's not, I'm not speaking against medical science or anything like that. Everything that the doctors can do to make you more comfortable is perfectly fine. But God alone is the healer. Brother Branham says in 1961, he says, I am supposedly a very odd person to many people. And I'm kind of odd to myself also. Now, maybe many of us could say that. He says, I'm odd to others and I'm even odd to myself. Because I try to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit just as close as I can. And that makes us odd. Now, this is 1961. In 1963, perfect faith, Brother Branham says, uh, 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 a church that, is, that has come into rapturing condition, that has come into rapturing faith, becomes a mystic to the world. You see? As Jesus walked by perfect faith in what the Word said He was, we walk by perfect faith in what the Word says we are. Amen? All right. So, Brother Branham, now back here, he's saying, he says, we really sit down and wonder sometimes. We do things. He says, why did I do such a thing? How did I ever do such a thing? And right then you, you, right then you may think that you have done exactly what you should not have done. But if you'll just be patiently and have faith, and you're sure that God has led you to do it, you'll find out it works out just exactly right. Amen. So there's things you don't understand about yourself. It seems like you felt led to do something, but then afterwards you ask yourself, well, why did I do that? And why did I act that way? And why did I do something? But if you'll just leave it, if you're feeling led that it was God, just leave it alone. It'll come out exactly right. Sometimes things don't always manifest themselves because we as human beings try to understand everything. Well, if I do this, that will happen. But one time, Brother Branham was out in the wilderness and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, throw up a rock. 
He'd just pick up a little stone, throw it up in the air and say, thus saith the Lord. And he did it because it was God leading him to do it. And he, and he explains it in one place. He says, what happened? He says, the rock goes up in the air and it comes down and it makes like a little whirlwind in the air. He says, and, and, and God anoints that, that little deformity in the air and turns it into whirlwind and comes down in the middle of the whirlwind. And three days later, I think it was, the blast struck the mountain and said, judgment is striking the West Coast. And Alaska almost sunk from that, that huge earthquake they had in Anchorage. Now, are you telling me that a little stone being picked up off the ground and thrown up in the air caused the earthquake in Alaska? I'm telling you that. Because God told his son to do it, and his son did it. He didn't ask questions. Didn't try to understand it. Well, you know, I look kind of foolish, or, you know, he kind of, kind of, I don't understand why God wants you to do it. But when you know that it's God speaking to you, you must do what he tells you to do. He says, many times we find out it works just exactly right. Many times we find that. I know Brother Neville has found that many times. Any leaders and spiritual people realize that. I think it's already been said this morning. Brother Ryan, in the song service, that we don't approach God with any of our own works. We only approach Him with faith in the atoning work of Calvary. We don't offer Him our knowledge. We don't offer Him our experience. That makes us all on an equal plane. As much as I might have more experience than maybe somebody in their 20s, that's not what I approach God with. I have to approach God with faith. You have to approach God with faith. That's why someone 16 years old like David could accomplish much for God because he believed what God had told him. You know, it doesn't matter your age, how old you are, what position you're in in life. As Brother Michael preached on Wednesday night, that was a great thought. You must live in the moment. Don't be 16 years old worried about what you're going to do when you're 30. You know, don't be 30 years old thinking that, oh, now I'm 30, what will it be like when I'm 40? Or I wish I was still 20. Or, or those of us that get past 60, Brother Joe, we don't look back and say, oh, well, you know, what if I could have gone back? I could have fixed a lot of mistakes. We can't live that way. But whether we live right now, what can I do for God right now? What is in my hand right now? What will God allow me to do for him right now? What will he anoint me to do? What kind of a lion or a bear will he send by my way that I can kill him with my sling that God has given me and the stone that I have in my pocket? Not somebody else's stone or confession, but my stone. The confession God has given me. Lord, just lead me into battles that I can win for the kingdom of God. Amen. So it's, it's, that's why men cannot bring salvation. It doesn't matter if a man is a Buddha or a Muhammad or a Confucius or any other kind of philosopher or religious man. There's no experience or understanding that produces salvation. Salvation is in Christ alone. Faith in His atoning work. Amen. So it's not our understanding sometimes that brings us where we need to go. But sometimes we do want to understand things better. We certainly want God to open our understanding as he did to them on the road to Emmaus. And I was, I was in a conversation with a brother a while back. Well, it's actually Brother Jean Manassi. 
and we were sitting in my office, and he was showing me how to use a new Bible program that I'd got because my, I, I lost my laptop. It crashed, and, and so I had to reload the software, and this old Bible software that I used was no longer available, and, and so I had to, it had rolled over into a different company, and I had to load that software, and I didn't know anything about it, but I found out Brother Jean knew about it, so I said, come over here and teach me how to use this thing. And uh, so he, was, he helped me a lot, and, and we were just talking, and, and somehow we got on the subject of character. And it was a, a great, it's a great subject. And, and you know, I, I, and I, as we were talking about it, I said to him, I says, but what is character? So now I'm asking you, I spoke to the young people at the school about it, those of you that were there uh, in the devotion. We understand what character does. We know that, and we've heard often, that the only thing we're taking with us is character. Amen? We're not taking money. We're not taking earthly possessions. We know, we've heard, as Brother Branham said in the Church Age book, character is a victory, not a gift. These are statements we've heard. We've heard a man without character can't reign because power apart from character is satanic, but power with character is fit to rule. Okay? And so we, we realize all of these statements are true and we believe them, but what is character? I ask you young men, what is it exactly? Give me a sentence that will define character. Give me just one statement that will tell me what is it. What ex- we know faith is a revelation. One young person in the devotion said, well, character is the Holy Ghost. I says, no, it can't be the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is a gift. And character is a victory, not a gift. All right? And so I, I, I began to ask the young people. I was, we were talk, going back and forth with Brother John. Neither of us came with an, up with an answer at that particular time. Define character exactly what it is. And I began to think about it in the weeks since. And, and I, I began to ponder it. And so I, I said to the young people in the church, in the school devotion, I said, really the clue to us comes in the statement that power with character is fit to rule. Power without character is not fit to rule. So there's something in character that makes us fit to rule. Something that character does. Something that character is. And so I, I said, what does a ruler do? I realize this is just like a devotion here this morning now. What does, what does a ruler do? We know a ruler rules, okay? That's, that's pretty simple. But a ruler is the final judgment. A ruler makes the final decision. So I'll start the service this morning with this statement. Character is the ability to make the right decision. If you don't leave here with anything else, take that with you. Character is the ability to make the right decision. So Brother Bram says, but power with character is fit to rule. And since he wants us to share even his throne on the same basis that he overcame and is set down on his father's throne. Notice that statement Brother Brandon makes, on the same basis. As the same as Jesus overcame 
and sat down in the Father's throne, so are we to overcome and sit down in the throne of Christ with Him. To Him that overcometh. He says, then we have to overcome to sit with Him. And the little temporary sufferings, and this service, don't worry, isn't going to be on suffering. But this little temporary suffering we go through now is not worthy to be compared to the tremendous glory that will be revealed in us when He comes. Oh, what treasures are laid up for those who are willing to enter into his kingdom through much tribulation. Amen. So there's an entering into the kingdom of God. What, what good does it do us to live this life to know what we know and not enter the kingdom of God? What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? the Bible says. And that's quite a decision that a man has made. We could, we could go to the rich young ruler and talk about the decisions that he made and how the decisions that he made cost him a place in the kingdom of God. As he, as he thought, you know, came to Jesus and said, what must I do to have eternal life? And I'll come back to maybe this. Well, maybe I'll talk about it now, seeing as it's on my mind. You know, the rich young ruler was rich and he was young. And we know that Eventually, he came in his life to the end of the road, and he said, and he come to retirement, he says, now I've laid up all these goods, I'll make my barns bigger, and I'll just put everything away for retirement, and I'll, uh, I'll just eat and drink and be merry and, and just enjoy my labors of my life. And God speaks to him and says, thou fool, this day thy soul shall be required of thee. And he crosses over the curtain time and finds himself without a tabernacle to go in. Finds himself without a body. Let me just emphasize this right now. Here we have a body. And if we didn't have this body right now, you could not contact this dimension. You were put into this body to contact the dimension that we're living in. Are you with me? And because we're here, we have this body. But you have a choice in this body whom you're going to serve. If you decide not to take God's word as the rich young ruler did, then you're going to end up leaving this body with no body to go to. That puts you into what's called the regions of the lost, which is where everybody goes that has no body to step into. And that is called hell. And that is called torment. And that is called many evil things. But if you serve God, but if you are quickened by his word, but if you walk with him, Paul says we desire to be clothed on with that body. He says not that we would be unclothed. That's not the point. Our desire is not to be out of this body. Our desire is rather to leave this mortal body behind and put on that immortal body. Because there's a word realm, a word dimension that you can only contact by a word body. So you must have the word body to go to that dimension. You must have a tabernacle to step into. This is not playing games. These realms are reality. When I step out of this body, I want to step into another body. I don't want to step out of this body and fall through the dimensions down into the regions of the lost. I don't want to, you know, there's many people that have died this morning in this world. Before you got to church, there was many that died on this day already. There's many that left this dimension. But if you don't have a body, if you don't have a body, then you're falling through the dimensions to a region you don't want to be in. Rather, I'd rather step into that heavenly dimension, which is right here in this room. It's just a little bit higher. 
That body's just beyond the curtain of time. I want to step out of this body and step into that body. One breath here to another breath there. Just walking on the streets of glory, as we say. Walking in that great paradise with the saints of God. Many who have gone on before us. I'll tell you what, they're rejoicing. They're so glad there is a body waiting for them. Amen. I want to be there. And there was poor Lazarus, the Bible says in the parable, sat at the gates. He had a miserable body. He was covered with sores. The dogs licked his sores, the scripture says. He had a miserable body in this world. You might feel like that. Why do I always have sickness? Why do I always? There's lots of people that don't have troubles. There's lots of people that don't go through what I go through. Don't worry about it. God knows what you're going through. He's your comforter. He's your deliverer. He's your healer. And there was Lazarus when he stepped across the curtain of time. The Bible says he was comforted in the bosom of Abraham. He had a place to go to. He had a place to go to. But in this world, he didn't have anything. He was a beggar. He was a man that didn't have anything. Now, I'm going to a place in a couple of days that's very poor. It's one of the poorest countries of the world. Much poverty abounds. I was thinking about that as I was pondering Jesus' thoughts as he watched in the temple as the widow with two mites put them in the offering. And I began to think to myself, she had an opportunity that all the rich men didn't have. Do you realize that? Because of her poverty. Now, Brother Brown says most of God's people are poor. Not all of God's people are poor. Okay? I know you want to be in the part that isn't. But most of you are poor. Now, let me just say it this way. I know what it is to be around rich people. I used to work in a bank. I know what rich people are like. I know what rich, I've been around many people that I call rich in the message. I don't know if millionaire qualifies as rich anymore with inflation and everything, and, but maybe it does. Millionaires, multimillionaires, all that kind of things. I know, now this, will, this will maybe, I hope it doesn't offend anybody. I know that a rich person will never put everything he has in the offering. Sorry, but that's true. That's the way they're made. But a poor person will. We got, that made a lot of silence around here. Because <laughs> we live in one of the richest places in the world, don't we? You know, rich people are not made to do that. Jesus said himself, and, and Jesus said, they gave much. Don't get me wrong, they gave much, but they didn't give all. And they're not able to give all. I've never seen a rich person yet give all. But Jesus stood at the treasury and watched this little woman, this poor little woman. And she just had just a little bit left over. And she just said, God, it's all yours. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what, great is her reward in heaven. Because she gave, out of her want, she gave everything. So don't always despise the poor. Or don't always look down on the poor. I've been poor. 
I'm thankful I'm not as poor as I used to be. But yet in the midst of all of that, I'm glad that I had that opportunity where I didn't have much. But yet I could say, Lord, this is everything I got. I want you to have it. Hallelujah. Maybe to the chagrin of my wife or my family who were raised poor. I'm speaking of my first family. And all of those that they went through and the hand-me-downs that they had and the free clothes that we got and the free groceries that we were able to find. And no, I'm not talking about food bank. I'm just talking about, you know, finding stuff that's discounted and all those kind of things. And I'm just trying to tell you, I know what that is to live there. But there's times that I was so glad that I could say, Lord, I just feel to give this to you. And if it's of any value to you, please use it. Please, please multiply it. Please do something with it. Can you say amen to that? And some of you are in that very state. Don't look down upon yourself. If, if all you got is, is that $5, listen, the, I talked about, last time I preached, I talked about that $5, $6 Starbucks drink. I, I went and I went to Starbucks a couple weeks later and found out it's more than $6. And, but about half the world lives on less than $6 a day lives on less than you would pay for a Starbucks drink every day. But I'll say, uh, actually I'll quote someone by the name of Elon Musk. Anybody ever heard of him? All right. He said it this way, he says, but half of those people are happy. He says, but I know 20 billionaires and none of them are happy. So which would you rather be? Don't despise the poor. I'm going to Africa. I'll see more smiles there than I ever see here. Maybe I just better preach this direction. <laughs> they are tremendous over there. You, 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 you give them, oh, brothers, I showed you the pictures last service of the, of the tin buildings. Brother Michael's been there. The tin buildings that we give them to worship in uh, cost us a few thousand dollars. God bless each and every one of you that's given to that purpose. That's not our main purpose. Our purpose is the word. But yet those tin buildings, I'll tell you what, they are so grateful to just have this little building of just poles with tin on the outside. I got a picture, I got a video, video this morning. I almost put it, asked the brothers to put it up, but I, I got a video this morning of Brother Hannington in a remote region of Africa showing the church service. No roof, no tarp, no nothing, just sitting on the grass, having a service, that's all they have. And they're all smiling and waving at the camera. Praise be to God. Are we here this morning? I'm sorry if this seems just like a little bit down to earth where we live, but maybe we need it sometimes. Maybe we need to be reminded how blessed we are. Maybe we need to be reminded our troubles aren't so much troubles. Our little difficulties of not being able to afford butter so we have to buy margarine or, or our little ideas we can't afford T-bone so we have to eat hamburger or whatever more it might be. There's many places in the world that they'd be very happy for those troubles. Sorry. But that's reality. Come on, let's break out of this North American Western lifestyle. Let's break out of the mentality. Might not be able to break out of the lifestyle, but let's break out of the mentality. Let's not get caught up in the way the world thinks. 
get caught up in what they, they, they've got ideas of. Brother Branham says in the Smyrnian church age concerning the character of Jesus Christ, and he takes Hebrews 5 and verse 8, and he says, though he were a son, yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation. Not everlasting salvation, eternal salvation. So a salvation that is not limited to the realms of time, space, and matter. A salvation that goes beyond just temporal circumstances. We might be able to say, you know, I found myself in this, tri- in this trial, but the Lord saved me. That might be temporal. Israel got into battles, but the Lord saved them out of their troubles. That's temporal. That's temporary. That's not eternal. But Jesus, when he suffered, he became the author of eternal salvation. A salvation that goes beyond any natural realm, that goes beyond natural limitations, that goes beyond anything that we have in our mind that that just has any kind of a limit. You've got a salvation that is unlimited. You've got a salvation that applies in every area of your life. You've got a salvation that goes out into the eternities that is beyond what you are able to think. And he's able to give us the exceeding abundantly above what we are able to ask or even think. This God that has become the author of this eternal salvation has given us more than we could ever realize. That's the God that we serve. And I want you to notice now, Brother Branham says in very plain plain language, the very character of Jesus was perfected by suffering. That's why I mentioned the poor, because there's a measure of suffering that goes with poverty. He says, and according to Paul, he has left the church a measure of suffering that they too, by their faith in God, while suffering for him, would come to a place of perfection. Now he says, He overcame. He learned obedience. That means he overcame by the things that he suffered. He overcame limitations by the things that he suffered. Brother Ranham says, and how can I overcome? He says, remember Jesus showed us how it's done. Forty days of temptation. He was tempted above any man that could ever be tempted in the temptation of Jesus Christ. Now watch. He showed us how it's done. How did he do it? By the word. You're going to be tried. You're going to be tempted. It's not a temptation if you don't have desires. The Bible says we're tempted of our own lusts. You know, there's things that that God allows us to fall into. You know, I've never been tempted to wear mascara. I've never been tempted to put on lipstick. You all say, praise the Lord. (laughs) But maybe some of our sisters have. It's not my makeup, but it might be their makeup. They see something, see a picture of somebody made up to be a certain something or other, and they think, oh, you know, that would make me prettier if I put on, I don't even know the names of all the things, stuff they put on the eyes. Is that eyeshadow? Is that, have I got the right word for it? I got to look at sisters. These brothers don't know what I'm talking about either. <laughs> Eyeshadow, that's the right word, Sister Margaret. All right. I'm not calling you out. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I am not calling her out, okay? <laughs> I'll just keep digging. All right. I ne- it's never tempted me. It's never tempted me to wear a dress that's too tight. Or too loose. 
or in any way. You're laughing at it, but I'm making a point. It's a temptation because of your makeup. God knows what you're like. When I got filled with the Holy Ghost, it's never a temptation for me anymore to wear shorts. Oh, I wore shorts before I got saved. Now, I'm not trying to criticize anybody. Don't get me wrong here. But Brother Branham says shorts are effeminate. Sorry, that's not politically correct, but that's what he said. All right? And you'll have to deal with him on that. Different things. We talk about haircuts or different styles or different things in the modern style of haircut. We can talk about goatees or beards or mustaches or, or, or ducktails or whatever more. We could talk about uh, type of, types of men's clothing and, and, and the modern day clothing and the modern styles and modern shoes and modern this and modern that and everything like that. Uh, I, maybe I'm an old fuddy-duddy, but a lot of that doesn't tempt me, but it tempts somebody. It moves somebody, and so they're tried, they're, they're put in a situation, and they can be saved out of those things if they're wrong, and they can be delivered from those kind of things, but that's still only temporal. You could live right, you could dress right, you could pay your tithes, you could go to church, you could do all kinds of natural things and still not have eternal salvation. But when you've been quickened by the Word of God, when the Holy Ghost comes into you and begins to form you from the inside out, begins to conduct the way you live, begins to conduct what you listen to, begins to conduct what you look at, begins to conduct the way you say things and the things that you say and the way that you treat others and the way that you look at this generation, when that begins to happen from the inside out, there's something eternal that has taken place. It's above this realm. It's above the laws of this realm. It's even gotten so bad in this realm, I realize that they're trying to put laws into place, at least in Canada, and I'm sure it'll be in the United States, where they're going to tell you what you can say and what you can't say. Furthermore, they're going to tell you what you can think and what you can't think. If you've ever thought this, if you've ever thought, why you're just this and that and the other thing, I don't want my thoughts to line up with Laodicea. I want my thoughts to line up with the Word of God. I want the eternal thoughts of God. Heavens and earth will pass away. This age will pass away. The politics of this age will pass away. Can you say praise the Lord? All of these things will pass away, but His Word will never pass away. We'll be talking about His Word on the other side. A million years from now, we'll talk about His Word. We'll talk about His Word in the millennium. Hallelujah. We'll talk about His Word when we meet somewhere in this universe, somewhere, somehow, where you're railing, ruling, rather, maybe on this planet, and I'm ruling on that planet, and we'll talk to each other. I'm sorry if that sounds bizarre to you, but that's just my God. He made this universe for a reason. And when we're ruling and reigning with Christ throughout all eternity, we'll still sit down and talk about this eternal word. We'll talk about being saved by grace. We'll talk about the infinite power of God, His omniscience. Hallelujah. We'll talk about Him forever and ever. We'll worship Him. We'll come together around His throne. We'll rejoice living in the New Jerusalem. Listen, I, I happen to believe that we will live in the New Jerusalem, but I don't believe the New Jerusalem is a prison. We'll live there, but I think we'll go a lot of places. We'll be unlimited because of eternal salvation. 
And Jesus, by learning obedience or by overcoming, became the author of eternal salvation. And you, by overcoming, become the recipient of the blessings of eternal salvation. He overcame, and by the same way, we overcome to sit with him in his throne. The word author means source. He became the source of eternal salvation. Hebrews chapter 12 says it this way. And chapter 11 is the faith chapter, you'll remember. But it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, or the unbelief that does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You can be in a climax of a service and leave the service in a sprint. And just say, all right, I got it. I'm going now. I'm running this race. That'll soon wear off. But it says, when you're quickened, let's run with patience. Amen. Recognizing this race doesn't end until, the, until we're changed in our mortal bodies. We're in a race. We're in a fight. We're in a, in a labor. But it doesn't stop there. But it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith the source and the climax of our faith, if I can say it that way, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, he endured the cross. You endure Laodicea. I don't know about you, but I feel like this is a shameful age. I'm ashamed of what people think in this age. I'm ashamed of the way people act. I'm ashamed of my fellow citizens of the country that I live in. I'm ashamed of their attitude towards God. I'm ashamed of everything that's promoted and everything that's, you can't go into a store, you can't look at a new site on the internet, you can't go hardly anywhere in this world, but what you're ashamed of what this world stands for. And it's not getting any better, but I'll endure it despising the shame for the joy that sets before me. It says, for consider him, consider him, he's our example, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. What was God doing in Jesus Christ? Brother Brown says, God was expressing his love through human flesh, the tabernacle in which he lived in his own son. That's what God was doing in Jesus Christ. That's what God's doing in you. As he overcame, you overcome. You overcome to the place where it's just God's love reflected through you. That's what it's called to be an overcomer. That's why Jesus said, forgive if anybody has an ought against you. Jesus, in that perfect character, went to Calvary at the climax of that character, enduring the cross. We're looking into Jesus this morning. 
that great example of what it means to have power and to rule. He, he hung on the cross, giving himself for our sins. And as he, as he hung on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Let me tell you a story. Are you still with me this morning? Yes. Is this okay? Yes. All right. I was a young pastor in, Grand, in Dawson Creek at the time. Probably not 30 years old yet. And uh, we had a little church, a little storefront place. And I invited Brother Biscoe to come preach for us. And I'm going to tell on them this morning. He's probably watching right now. And uh, just a small little storefront place. You couldn't fit this one section of pews in it. That's how small it was. It was real small. But it was our first little gathering place out of the basement. We come out of the basement and we come into this little storefront place. Dawson Creek. Not far from where Brother Biscoe lived actually in Dawson Creek. Any Biscoe sisters here? I don't know if there's any of them here. But uh, the, I think it was maybe Sister Marilyn that pointed out that the old house was just down the street, Brother David. And uh, so anyway, we were having a meeting and uh, I invited a bunch of people and I especially invited some native people because of Brother Biscoe's work amongst the natives and I asked if he would share some of his experiences amongst the native to the people. And so it was probably Sunday morning. We were sitting in church. There's some visitors there. And Brother Biscoe begins at one point in the service, maybe about halfway through the service, to uh, begin to tell about the work on Vancouver Island and Port Alberni and all of those places and, and how that they were amongst the natives. But he wasn't using the word native. He was using the word Indian which was the word that they used back then. So this would be back in 1990. We're in the service around about 1990. And he, and he says, and, and the Indian brothers, you know, this is brother so-and-so. And when Brother Branham came and, and we had the service and, and this is what happened. And, this, and he was just sharing some insignificant events. But he kept using the word Indian to refer to the natives, which they don't like that anymore. And there was a, there was a man in the service that was visibly upset. And finally, about halfway through the service, he stood up and he was going to make his point. And he, and he stood up and said, they don't like to be called Indians over there. I've been there. He says, I don't like it that you're using the word Indian. They're not Indians. They're natives. They're aboriginals. And, and don't you call them natives. And, and he just got, he was just out of control. And, and, and he just voiced his words, and he turned around to storm out. And he was about halfway out, which isn't very far. And he's halfway out of the church. He's just near the, the door of the sanctuary. And you know what Brother Biscoe did? He said, it's okay. He said, don't leave. Please come back. He says, it's all right. He says, uh, uh, that's all right. I, I hear what you have to say. No, please stay and hear the word. He didn't say, well, if you don't like it, get out. Hello? And I'm sitting there at a young age, Brother Michael, younger than you. And I, I look at this and I go, I don't know if I have that in me. That's what you call character. 
Here's a man that didn't care that somebody was yelling at him. Somebody was basically accusing him of being racist, which he certainly isn't. But, you know, somebody that had their say and got all upset and disrupted the service and all of those things. And in the midst of it all, there was a man in the pulpit. I thought, that's God in that man. That's real character in that man. That though that man, that, that native man, he was, certainly wasn't a Christian, and, and uh, he was, not, I don't know if he swore, but he was close to it, and he was definitely disrupting the service. But there was a man of God that says, no, please don't leave. Because he's recognizing this might be this man's opportunity. This might be the moment that this man is able to receive salvation. I don't want my feelings to get in the way. I don't want to be tempted and led away of my nature to say something that I shouldn't say. But rather a man of God stood there and said, no, please stay and hear the word of God. I thought from that moment, I said, this is a real man of God. I already believed he was a man of God, but I just want to share that with you. That's your pastor. That's the kind of man he is. That's the kind of walk he has with God. He's not interested in just everybody uh, cowdowing to his idea or whatever more it might be. He's got a desire to see souls won into the kingdom of God. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. And that's what God is doing in these tabernacles. These tabernacles were made to express God's love. Can you say amen? You are a temple of the Holy Ghost, the Scripture says. The Holy Ghost is the love of God. And so we being temples of the Holy Ghost, we were made to express God's love. And if you're, if you're not going to express God's love, if I, as I said earlier, you don't need a tabernacle. Oh, is that too sharp? You don't need one here, and you don't need one there. Because the prophet of God said the only way to get there, the only thing that is expressed over there rather, is divine love. So in those bodies we're expressing divine love, and in these bodies we are called to express divine love. You're not called to express your feelings, though you have them. You're not called to express your weaknesses, though you have them. You're not called to express your hurts and your bitterness, though you have them. Jesus endured the contradiction of sinners. He endured the bitterness of his life for three years, three and a half years of ministry, walking amongst them, could not do many mighty works because of their unbelief. But in the midst of all that, there was the man, God himself, with all power, walking in the midst of Israel, could have spoke anything into existence, turned the, the, the bread and fed 5,000, turned the water into wine, healed the sick, raised the dead, opened blind eyes, raised the lepers, you know, raised the crippled, all of those kind of things, the mighty power of God walking right amongst them, the availability of the power of God laying right in their midst. They didn't have the Holy Ghost, but they had the fullness of the Holy Ghost dwelling bodily in flesh. There it was right there, everything they had need of, right there in that man. But because of their unbelief, they missed out on many mighty works. They missed out. Now, we are called to be a temple of the Holy Ghost. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Not called to be, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. 
And you're a temple with human feelings. You're a temple with human weaknesses. You're a temple with human struggles. You're a temple with battles in your flesh. You're a temple with genetic problems. Things that have been handed down to you through generations that you've got to deal with. You're a temple that's dealing with the, the time even that you were born and the influences of the stars. The Bible calls it influence. The influences of the stars upon your life because of your birth cycle and the way that you were born. And You probably don't even understand those things, but it brings certain influences into your life. That's not who you are. That's the struggle of your temple. But the Holy Ghost lives in that temple. And he doesn't live in that temple. You see, that when the disciples came to Jesus and showed him in the very next chapter, Mark chapter 12, I think it is, and, and, and described to him the beauty of the temple and the beauty of the stones and all of these things as they're, they're describing that to him. That's not what Jesus is interested in. He's not interested in how, how beautiful your body is or the problem your bodies have or the, or the scars that you have in your mind. And I, I just got to hammer this down today. I'm sorry. But the, he's not, God is not interested or in the struggles that you have. He's interested, but he's not distracted by them like you are. But God's interested in living in you. God's interested in living out from you. God's interested in expressing himself through you. Hallelujah. If we'll just get ourselves out of the way, he'll live in that temple. He'll live through that temple. He'll make you say words you never even thought about. Maybe you better give me a little bit more volume, Brother Matthew. I've already heard my voice going. God's, God's interested in that temple so he can express himself out of that temple. Hallelujah. He's exactly right. Praise be our God. Don't get distracted. Don't let the devil try and tell you who you are based on some superficial, natural mentality of mankind. There's not anything that happens around you but what you have the power to control it. I'm not going to preach to you about how many mistakes you make. We all make them. I'm not going to preach to you about your weaknesses. We all have them. I'm not going to preach to you about woe is me because we've all thought that. Nobody's willing to admit it. We all have thought woe is me. Listen, when I was a young preacher on my first missionary trip, I think it was India, Many, many years ago, I sat in the airport somewhere all alone after done preaching the services, all tired, wore out. Any preacher knows what I'm talking about. And you get to the end of the road and you think, well, Lord, what about me? What a crybaby. <laughs> I'm all alone. But God wants to express perfect love through you. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. What a calling we have. God has called us to be his tabernacle. Brother Branham says, uses this word in very plain language in the church age book, twice in the Smyrnian church age. In the one I've just read, in very plain language, Jesus uh, was made perfect by suffering. All right, that's the first. Now I'll read you the second. He says, in very plain language, the true bride of Christ was in the mind of God eternally. 
though not expressed until each came forth in the designated decreed season. That's you right now in the moment, this designated decreed season, you're here. Sunday morning, October 30th. Is that the day today? October 30th, right now. There'll never be another October 30th, 2022. This is it. And you are here in your designated decreed season. Everything that you do. I was thinking of you, Sister Ella. I was at Harvard. I can now say I went to Harvard. I visited Harvard last week. I was also at MIT. Anybody asked me, you ever been to university? I said, I've been to Harvard, I've been to MIT. <laughs> and they have a certain culture there. And they try and ingrain in the students, this is what we are, this is who you are. And they put this education into people to form their mind around that education. And there's many here that go to university. And uh, they, they have this idea, that's who I am. If you're here in university, that's not who you are. You were in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. Eternally. And now you come forth in your designated decreed season. As each member came forth, it became expressed and took its place in the body. It is very apparent that she ought to be called the spoken word seed bride, for she was predestinated in him, came from the same source. He's the source. He's the author. Came from the same source, was eternal with him, and is now manifesting God in a many-membered body, whereas once God was manifested in one member, even our Lord Jesus Christ. So what, what, all that was in God, he poured into Christ, and all that was in Christ... He poured into the church. So I ask you the question, are you ready to rule? Are you ready? Are you really ready? Can you make the right decision in every situation? That's what a ruler does. He's called. We realize the world's rulers don't do that. But that's what a true definition of a ruler is. He makes the right decisions. She makes the right decisions. And it depends on who you are. As I was telling the young people, it says when you're young, you don't get to make a lot of decisions. I was telling on my little girl, she's two years old, one morning a couple weeks ago, she made the decisions to stick Play-Doh up her nose. That's the reason you don't let toddlers make decisions. They don't make good decisions. But as they grow... And as you grow and as you become more mature and as you learn some things in life, you begin to be able to make more and more decisions. And so you grow and you, become, you go through your schooling, you get your education, you understand what life is about, you go out into the world and the older you get, you make, a, you make more and more decisions. Brother Branham says in one place, he says, in politics, you have to make up your mind who you're going to vote for. He said, deciding on a car, the family has to make up their mind what kind of a car they're going to get. There's many times you're forced to a decision, and you're almost at that spot right now. And then he talks to sinners about a decision. You've got to decide whether you're going to serve Christ. Another place, he says, you have to make other decisions. Before you get married, you have to decide on what girl you're going to make your wife. And, and you women have to decide what man's going to be your husband. 
I can get a single amen on that. These are decisions. And these are life-changing decisions to be made in the seriousness with as much character as, as God has put in you. And many times people make decisions when they're young. And that's why Brother Bram says, you really need to pray over it. He says, like the woman here one time ago, she had two men. They were both good men. She couldn't make up her mind which one she was going to marry. And she lost both of them. So you can't leave the decision forever. You've got to make a decision. He said, God wants immediate action. If you love him, throw everything else aside and take him. If you believe the word, cast everything else and take his word. It's a time of decision. You have to make up your mind. I tell this to my own children. Make up your mind. You know, don't just waffle around. I don't know if it's for me. I don't know if I want to serve God. I don't know this. I don't know that. Make up your mind. Decide that serving God is worth it every step of the way. Make your decision and come what may, I'm going to serve God. I don't care how I feel. I'm serving God. I don't care what trial I'm in. I'm serving God. I don't care what the devil throws at me. I'm serving God because I made up my mind long time ago. Amen. It's not a matter of, oh, if he treats me right, or oh, if I only go through good times, and oh, you know, if you're, if you're worried about ever going through bad times, let me tell you, don't get married. If you think a relationship is always cloud nine, 10 out of 10, always riding on the feathered wings, of course mine is, but always riding way up high, you know, then you're going to be disappointed. There's going to come hard times. Somebody's going to get sick. Someone's going to have a misunderstanding. Something's going to happen. The little children come along, as Brother Branham says, and their dirty hands are going to be on the windows and on the furniture, and they're going to, I can't even describe everything that a child will do to you because it's not polite. And it happens all over the house. And it's disappointing. But that's not why I married her. I married her because I believed it was God's will and I loved her. Those are the two things you need to know. Brother Brown says in choosing a bride, you must make the right choice. The kind of woman that a man will choose will reflect his ambition and his character. If a man chooses the wrong woman, it reflects his character. What he ties himself to shows truly what's in him. A woman reflects what's in the man when he chooses her for a wife. It shows what's down in him. And then he talks about, I go into a man's office. He office. He says he's a Christian, but there's pinups all around the walls. Old boogie-woogie music. Of course, now it wouldn't be on the walls. It'd be on his phone. Old boogie-woogie music going on, and I don't care what he says. I don't believe his testimony because his spirit's feeding on them things of the world. That's character. Feast of the Trumpets, he says, we can make a decision, and next, th- next year we think better. We got a better idea of it, but God can't. He's infinite. His first decision is perfect. Nothing can move it. I can learn more. We're finite. I can learn more and you can learn more, but God can't learn more. So I want my character to reflect his character. Are you still with me? All right. Power with character is fit to rule. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got the power. we got the power in the name of Jesus. 
you got enough power to do anything in this world. You got the Holy Ghost. But only God knows if you're fit to rule. Every type of the bride in the lineage of Christ was married to a ruler. Or connected to a ruler. I can't say married in the case of Tamar, but the women that are mentioned in the Bible in the lineage of Christ. We could talk about Tamar conceiving of Judah. And out of that came the lineage of Christ. That didn't look very attractive at the time. It didn't look like the right way to do things. But she had entered into connection with him because the word of God, and this is what I want to get to you, the word of God cannot be broken. And the scepter, the Bible says, would not depart from Judah. It doesn't matter what it looked like. It didn't matter what it looked like in the case of Rahab, who married Salmon, a prince in Israel. It didn't matter in what it looked like in Ruth's life, who married Boaz, the, the, the Lord of the harvest. That's the word I'm looking for. It didn't matter what it looked like in Bathsheba's life, who married David, the king of Israel, in very terrible circumstances. And we would look at it and say, it cannot be the mind of God, but it was the mind of God. The fruit of the adulterous relationship perished. But after the husband died and they were married, then they brought forth another child, and that child was Solomon. And Solomon became the great type of Christ ruling in the millennium time. And so, so we see all of these relationships now, and I want you to catch this now. They're all in connection with the ruler. They all had to enter into his domain. Tamar had to enter into the domain of Judah, and, and Ruth had to enter into the domain of Boaz, and, and Rahab had to enter into the domain of Salmon, and, and Bathsheba had to come to the domain of David in his throne. And so are you called as the bride of Jesus Christ, no matter what circumstances you came from. And many of us, if not all of us, if our life, our history was played right up on this screen here this morning and projected and said, this is where you came from. So a lot of us would walk out. I don't want everybody to know where I came from. I don't want everybody to know how bad my life was before God found me. I don't want everybody to see the muck and the mire of the world that I came out of. But God brought me out. He brought me out of that and he's brought me into his domain this morning. He's preparing me. He's molding my life. He's putting me through things that I may rule and reign with him throughout eternity. Amen. Can you say amen to that? He's called you. You're his bride. You're the one that he speaks of. She's without spot. She's without blemish. She's without wrinkle or any such thing. This one is just perfect because of his perfection, because of his mind that he thought of you. This is not, this is not just a, a service this morning to just kind of dwell on the surface, but this is a service this morning to really think deep. Am I really committed to my life's purpose? Am I really dedicated to what God has called me to do, which is to express his love? 
which is to reflect his nature to this world, which is to go down the street and let them see Christ, which is to live in a neighborhood and let them see Christ. Oh, Lord, help me. Listen, I'm preaching, believe me, to myself as much as I'm preaching to any, everybody here. A notable feature of these women is always character, whether it's Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba. There was a character there, and now I want to say it this way, that was not dependent on the circumstances they found themselves in. Rahab had a certain character, but found herself in terrible circumstances. But that didn't change her character. There's something in her that says, these are God's people, and I will stand with them. Doesn't matter what the world says, I stand with them. And I will die with them, or I will live with them, but I'm part of them. The same with with Ruth. Where, Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. There because of that one decision, that one day that Naomi said, go back. Just go back and, you know, find a good husband and live an easy life and, you know, find someone that'll love you and just, you know, just live that way and, and, you know, there's somebody that'll take care of you. Don't worry about anything else. You know, your husband's died. You're not attached. You're not obligated to me. You know, just live in this world in, in whatever way you can get by. And Orpah said, you know what? That sounds pretty good. I'll just live the way Moab lives and I'll just go back to my family and some man will find me and I'll just fit in somewhere and I'll just have my life in this world. Maybe I'll have some children and maybe I'll just go along and everything will be fine and wonderful and somebody will love me. I just want somebody to care for me. I just, that's the way I just want to live my life. But not Ruth. She had character. And her character was, no, I don't care what happens to me. Your God is my God. Your people are my people. Where you live, I'll live, and where you're buried, I'll be buried. That's all I care about. This is the God that I serve. In other words, she was saying, I believe the message you've been telling me. I believe what I heard from my dead husband. I believe what I heard from my dead father-in-law. I believe those things. Doesn't matter the circumstances I find myself in. She didn't go go to Israel to get married. She went to Israel to serve God. I'll glean in the fields. I'll do what's right. She had the character amongst the people that Boaz noticed. She says, I'll not mess around with the young men. And, and Boaz noticed that. And she's not like uh, a lot of other women that just kind of flirt around with everybody. She's just serving God. She's got her mind on God. And God took care of her. Amen. God took care of her. Uh, listen, I got daughters. I know what it is when they, when they get past 16. I'll never get married. Nobody's interested in me. I'm not a woman, but I'll just say to every woman that ever thinks that, and you all have at some point in time, I married one of them. But let me tell you something. God cares about you. Make your decision. Regardless of what comes. If, if God never lets me get married, and that's what Ruth did. If God never lets me get married, I'm going back to Israel to serve that God and to be a part of those people and to walk in that light and to be a part of that because that light is the eternal salvation. 
character. Jesus is our example, ruler, supreme authority. We are called to rule. Let me, let me just say it this way. Brother Branham says it in 1953. He says, let us make man in our own image, quoting the scripture. He says, after he made man in his own image, he made a supernatural being. Yes, indeed, Genesis 1.28. Read and see it if that isn't right. And then when he made man in his own image, he had rule over the beasts. He led the beasts around like the Holy Spirit's supposed to lead the church today. All right? So man was first made a supernatural spiritual being in a theophany. And then after that, he was put into flesh. All right? He was formed a body and he was put into flesh. But before that, he had the rulership over the earth. That was his position. He was made to rule. See, humanity is made to rule. Every kind of natural ruling that you see in this generation is a perversion of the way God made us. All right? Let me, let me just say it this way. The Word of God is what's bringing us back there. If you say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, the power lays within the believer. If my Word If you abide in my word and my word abides in you, ask what you will, and it shall be done. But now let's take it a little bit different. There's so many quotes on this one statement. He said, Brother Brown says, let me get this in right good now. And I've chosen one of the easier quotes on this subject. He says, so that you can see, woman is subject to, to her husband. And the Bible said that a man should rule over his wife. Genesis 1, or Genesis 2, I'm sorry. But how they've changed that, the woman rules over the man. Now you stay home, John, you're not going anywhere. Yes, dear, is what Brother Bram said. Now, this isn't politically correct in this hour, is it? But it's the word. He says, but but let me tell you something, mister. Now, he talks to the husbands. You're going to have to answer for your wife. But God, or or rather, excuse me, but your wife is never going to have to answer for you. Hmm. You are the head of the woman. And God is the head of the man. Therefore he said, let the man cut his hair because of Christ and let the woman have her hair. For if she cuts her hair, she dishonors her husband. That's all right. I knew this would be a quiet part of the service. But I just wanted to say it because it's true. I just speak the word and let God deal with whomever he wants to deal with. That's the word of God. And believe me, there, there are places where Brother Ram says these same things and says, this isn't very popular in America right now. And that was in the 50s and 60s. What about now? 
where the age is bombarding the women that nobody rules over you, that you are a ruler. And I just want to say it this way, that if we could only realize what real authority is, because God is bringing us back to, the, to his own image and bringing rulership back. If Eve would have stayed behind the word, she could have ruled. But because she broke the word and because she fell in deception, God said, the man shall rule over you. That's the scripture. It ain't popular. But Brother Tim's not standing here to speak popularity. He's here to speak the word of God. And so don't let it upset. I hope it doesn't upset any sister. Certainly it wouldn't upset any sister with the Holy Ghost. Because that's the word of God. And the Holy Ghost says amen to every word of God. But now as we're living here in these last days, we realize the pressure is on that this isn't true. But let me tell you something. As I already said, when we leave these bodies, these bodies are subject to the word of God because of faith. But when we leave these bodies and we come into that body, when we get on the other side, it's not the man ruling over the woman anymore. It's now back to co-equalness the way God intended. That's why Jesus says on the other side, it's neither marrying nor giving in marriage. But you see, it's always the devil that tries to give position before it's time. He tried to give authority to Jesus in the temptation. says, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. But that wasn't the season. Jesus knew he would come to it. But he wasn't going to come to it by worshiping the devil. He was going to come to it by full obedience to every word of God. And the, the spirit of this age will try and tell the woman, you have equal rights with a man. And I'm sorry, it's not true. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings, but that's not the Word of God. But if you walk in the Word of God, you will come to that. Hallelujah. There's coming a time when we get on the other side, and there's word bodies. It's no longer the man ruling over the house, and that doesn't mean treating her like a doormat or anything like that, but there's no more man ruling over the house. It's now man and woman co-equal once again, as it was meant to be in the Garden of Eden. I'll just say, make sure you get there, because what this world is promising women is a lying vanity. It's a lie of the devil. It's empty. It's void. But what God has promised you will never pass away. Hallelujah. That'll be wonderful on the other side. Won't it be wonderful? And I, I treat the men. Men, you better take your place. You better take your place. You better do what you're supposed to do. You better act like you're supposed to act. You better have the character of what a real man's supposed to have because you will answer for it because you don't want to leave here without a body either. When you get onto that realm, that's going to be a joyous time. You might think, well, well I, I don't want to rule and I, I don't want to make the big decisions and you know, I don't want to deal with the heavy stuff and I don't want to lead. I, I, I'll let my wife lead or I'll let my kids lead or all that. I don't know why I'm going down this road. I'll let my family do it. I'll let anybody else do it. It's just not my nature. You better make it your nature. Because you're called to it. It's your position in this world. When you get on the other side, you won't have to worry about that no more. You won't have to worry about making a decision that nobody likes. But here, sometimes, brothers, we have to do that. 
That's just the reality of life. I better move on. Because there was a centurion one time that came to Jesus, and i got to bring this to a close here. And he says, he recognized the authority that Jesus had. In other words, he recognized the extent to which Jesus ruled. He said, I'm not even worthy that you should come under my roof, he said. And I'm quoting here from Brother Branham. He says, I'm a man, I have authority. I say to this one, go do it, and he does it. I say to that one, come here, and he does it. Because I have supreme rule over this man, and I recognize you as having supreme rule. I'm a man of authority, so I know what a man of authority means. You don't have to come. You just speak, and death will depart. He just wanted his servant healed. There you are. Only speak the word, and he will live. He recognized Jesus as a ruler, had authority to speak death away from his servant. You are called to rule with Jesus Christ. You are being positioned in a position of rulership with Christ. You are being brought to the full potentials of your power with Jesus Christ by character being molded in your life. You need to recognize not just who Jesus is, but who you are. Lord, you said I could have my children. Lord, you said I could, we would not be bowing down to sickness. Lord, you said that this body is mine to possess in sanctification and honor. Lord, you said I'm claiming your word, Lord. I'm claiming what you give me. I might, I might not have authority of some, over somebody in, in Tanzania that has a need there or whatever, and I might not know the whole situation. I might still pray for them. But I have authority in the place that God has put me in. There you are. Only speak the word. He says, speak the word and he'll live. I recognize you as being the supreme ruler of heavens and earth. Every demon power is under your control. All demons is subject to you. I believe that you're the virgin-born son of God. Just say the word. Hallelujah. Can I go a little further? All right, I've still got about half of you. Okay, I can't, I don't have time for that. Excuse me. I knew I wouldn't get through it all. But what is character? The ability to make the right decision. Brother Brown says in Ever Present Water from the Rock, he says, you see, many times people think that a prophetic gift that God just says, I'll pick you up right here and set you down here. Now you just go right over here. He doesn't tell you all those things. If he did, then what overcoming faith did you have? See? He lets you stand alone more than anybody else. He's talking about a prophet. He's talking about himself. He says, you all can come to me and ask for certain things, and he's never failed yet, but what he's give you the answer. That's right. But I can ask him for things for myself, and many times he just lets me alone. Just let me go ahead and walk into it. 
I have things now that I have to solve out myself and decisions I have to make. And this is such a vital one till I cannot exactly make it until I'm sure that it's him speaking to me and he won't give me a vision. He just lets me alone. So I'm just sitting as an orphan like this morning. I don't know which way to turn. So I have committed it to the Lord. Amen. Sometimes God isn't going to give you the answer. He wants you to make the decision. Because you're a free moral agent. And God has empowered you with power. And he's given you a certain level of character. And he wants you to make the decision. When God said to Abraham, go and offer your son, Abraham could have said no. But God knew Abraham would say yes. Whatever God tells me to do, that's exactly what I want to do. Brother Branham came to a place in his life in 1959 or thereabouts. He said, he talked about the service, and I've related this several times before, but he talks about the service in which that there was some immorality happening right in the service between a, a, a two young people, a boy and a girl, and they wouldn't stop. Even though the deacons tried to make them stop, Brother Branham admonished them to stop, nobody would stop. But, you know, they were playing with God. They were messing with God. The God that we serve is a supernatural God. The God that we serve is real. He, he doesn't accept somebody playing around thinking they're getting away with something because they have something in their mind that they think they're bigger than God or they don't believe in God or something else like that. Our God is real. And whatsoever a man sows, he shall reap. And so Brother Branham says, uh, when, when anyone does anything wrong to me, I never pray against them. I pray for them. That's where the Holy Spirit gave the test the other night in New England. See, there's right near where we were, Brother Murphy. He says, before this happened down here, when he gave power and said, just speak what you will to them people the way they had done. Now, Mark 11 says, well, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. Now, here's real rulership that is put into the hands of Brother Branham. Now, I'll just say it this way. God would never do it if he didn't trust Brother Branham's character. But it was a test of his character. It wasn't a test of his faith. Because he already believed and seen God do many, many things. But now it was a test of his character. And as he's standing there, and the Holy Spirit says to him, whatever you say, and it'll happen, he says, and, and you, if you go into the detail of the story, he's standing there, he says, and then the devil comes in, and he, he tries to tell him, say death, say TB, say, say, uh, say cancer, say paralysis. Listen, when Brother Branham was a young boy, he had a temper. And he, if it wasn't for the grace of God, he would have killed a bunch of boys that beat him up. Isn't that right? You read his life story? He had a gun. He had the bullets. He went, he put the bullets in the gun. He, he kept pulling the trigger and nothing went off. Why? Because God spared him from that. God is able to keep you. That's why I say, don't anybody ever say that, oh, well, you know, why didn't God keep me from this? Because God saw you needed to go through it. But God saw that he had to keep Brother Branham from killing the kids. 
because he never would have got over it. It would have been a mark against him the rest of his life. He kept him from smoking. He kept him from drinking. He kept him from being immoral because he had a greater service for him when he got older. I've heard people come and say, oh, well, you know, uh, it's not my fault that I fell into this or that. I still want to be a minister or I still want to be that. or No, what? God will spare you. If he wants you to be a minister, he will spare you. He will keep you from things that would destroy your life, destroy your ministry as he did Brother Branham. But yet in the midst of it all, Brother Branham having that makeup that was still in his flesh, now here he's confronted with these young children, these young people that are, that are doing things wrong and it despises him. Listen, an immoral woman caused Brother Branham to cringe because he saw his own father in that. And he saw the, the, the reprehensible behavior of his father and all of the things that he went through. And don't think that those kind of things didn't come back to him and all of the things that, that was going through and the devil was just anointing it and how evil it is and how bad it is and everything like that. What if someone came in the church here? I'm not saying doing that in the church. But if, what if someone came in the church and and had a real bad background rulers throne sitters with Christ what's your judgment brother Bradham sweated it out until he said I forgive you he didn't condemn them when the, G, when the woman caught in adultery, in one place Brother Branham says she was a prostitute. Does that surprise you? It surprised me when I read it. But she was brought before him. The man wasn't brought before him, but the woman was. A very immoral act. The very thing, the very thing of the fall in the Garden of Eden where Eve fell to an immoral act in the Garden of Eden. Now here's a woman that's fallen to an immoral act brought before the very same God. The day you eat thereof, that day you shall die. And there, there's the word that says she shall be stoned. And there's Jesus standing there. And they, you know the story. And they one by one leave as Jesus says, let him that is without sin cast the first stone. Hello, throne sitters. Hello, rulers. Hello, queen of heaven. Let him that is without sin cast the first stone, he says to them. And they begin to leave one by one until finally they're all gone. And then Jesus stands up again and says, where are your accusers? Are there none that accuse you? She says, none, Lord. He says, neither do I accuse you. Go your way and sin no more. This same Jesus of perfect character that hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The perfect character that cried out in the Garden of Eden says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I really would rather not go through it, but if that's the center of your perfect will, and really it was, then I want to go exactly through the fire at the center of your perfect will, no matter what it costs me. Can you say praise the Lord this morning? He went exactly through that. And Brother Branham says, he says, I forgive you. He says, that's exactly what he wanted, see? Forgive your enemies. Right now. In this moment, Amen. forgive your enemies. I wonder how many of us could pray for them instead of praying against them. I wonder how many of us here this morning could never say another evil word against our enemies. 
Shake yourself this morning. Because he says, pray. He says, and when you pray, forgive. He says, forgive your enemies. Forgive those that have ought against you. Forgive those who you have ought against. In all those ways, forgive. Because if you don't forgive, neither does your Father in heaven forgive you. Listen, we're not, we're not here this morning to just hear a nice little sermon of how wonderful it's all going to be when we're all gathered in glory. And it's going to be wonderful. But let the Word search our souls this morning. Lord, search this congregation. Lord, search us on the internet. Lord, if there be anything of an unforgiving spirit in me, Lord, take it out of me. If there be anything in me that holds something against somebody, and believe me, I pray this often because I need to. And uh, Lord, if I, if I hold anything against this one or that one, Lord, forgive me for it. Lord, let it not be in my nature. Let it not be in my life. Let me go every step of the way, everywhere I go, being nothing but a tabernacle expressing the divine love of God. Because of Ruth's decision to walk with God at any cost, she became the great-grandmother to the greatest king on the earth. Because of her decision. What does God hold in store for us? when he's waiting on our decision. But that was in 1959. Brother Branham talked about that test. He says, forgive your enemies. Those are the spirits that make you evil. Watch those spirits. But in 1961, he had a different experience. And that he was, he was in a meeting. And there was a prophecy over him in French. But the prophecy, thank God there was a translator there. Amen. And he translated the prophecy for us. And this is what God said to his prophet. He says, because thou hast chosen the narrow path, the harder way, you have walked of your own choosing. You all are walking of your own choosing. For the Deepak's going to India with his family, with his wife, of his own choosing. A lot of you have moved here of your own choosing. You weren't born here. You come from African countries. You come from different places of North America. You come, maybe if you come from Europe, but you chose to come here. I chose to come back here. In 2012, it seemed to be to me, the right decision. And so the Lord said to Brother Branham through this prophecy, because thou hast chosen the narrow path, the harder way, thou hast walked of your own choosing. And then he says, now here, know this man. Now watch how it's wrote. You can see it's wrote in foreign words. Thou hast picked the correct and precise decision. See, there's a right decision and there's a wrong decision. You have picked the correct and precise decision, and it is my way. Amen. Then Brother Bram says, bless God, it's my way, he said. Because of this momentous decision, a huge portion of heaven awaits thee. He, Brother Bram says, he never heard, the interpreter never heard about the vision. You remember the vision. A huge portion of heaven awaits thee. What a glorious decision thou hast made. Wouldn't you love to hear that from God? 
I believe you will one day. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joys of the Lord. He says, what a glorious decision thou hast made. This in itself is that which will give and make come to pass their tremendous victory in love divine. I'll just paraphrase it this way. According to Tim Dodd, the Holy Spirit said to his prophet, because you've made this decision, it opens up a way for everybody to make this decision. Because you have chosen to walk in this way, now you're the wave chief. This whole age can walk in this way. I love Brother Brown. And I'm not ashamed of his name. You know, the reason people don't want to, people that walk away from the message want to argue with the message, it's the same reason that Israel wanted a Saul who was not a good ruler. They, re they rejected God. God said, they've not rejected you, Samuel. They've rejected me. See, people rejecting this message is not rejecting Brother Branham. They're rejecting God. Because God sent the ministry through whom he might speak to open up his word for a people so that we all might become tabernacles of the living God. That we all might walk in perfect divine love. God is equipping his bride with the best thing that he could to rule. Character. It's a victory, not a gift. If you have it with power, you're fit to rule. If you don't have it with power, it's demonic. And but yet it's the only thing that you'll take with you. Not your position, not your money, not your whatever you have in this world. That'll all pass away. But your character, which is molded into the very image of Christ, will never pass away. Musicians can come. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane had to choose. Father, not my will, but your will be done. Let's all stand together. I know I've held you long, and it hasn't been the type of excited preaching that maybe holds your attention continuously. But I had to get this off my heart. I had to get it off my chest. I just couldn't deal with it continually for weeks on end. Sprung out of a conversation, I appreciate Brother Jean Manassi, and sometimes we get into some good serious questions. What is character? The ability to make the right decision in any area of your life. That's all God wants from you. How many would say this morning, Lord, take my character in that direction. Let me be that kind of a person until I have the fullness of the character of Jesus Christ to make that right decision. I just want to say, sing all my life, you have been faithful. Love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days. 
the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing the goodness of God. And all my life you have been
wonderful Heavenly Father. Maybe there's someone here this morning that has a decision in front of them. Something, Lord, that they're faced with. That they're trying to find the right answer to the decision. Lord, I hold them up before you. Believing every son and daughter of God. You have equipped, O oh Lord, and are taking us further in that molding of our lives. That no matter what the temptation, no matter what the flesh may say, no matter what those around us might say, Lord, you'll lead us and help us to make the right decision. Sometimes you might leave us alone like an orphan, as Brother Branham said, because you've instilled in us enough character to stand and make the right decision. Lord, we just want to lay these decisions before you. For we realize, Lord, for this reason that we have been called into this world, that in every circumstance, in every situation, in every confrontation, in every opposition, oh God, you have equipped us to make the right decision. And we believe that your Holy Spirit will come behind the right decision and manifest the Word and bring to pass the victory in the love divine. Lord, may you just move in each and every life. If there's somebody in sickness this morning, Lord, may you just empower them to rise up, O oh God, and say, this sickness will not move me. I stand in the name of Jesus Christ, my healer, by whose stripes I am healed. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. And I renounce the devil in the name of Jesus Christ. I claim every redemptive blessing. We're not standing here, Lord, this morning offering to you our emotion. We're standing here this morning, Lord, offering to you your word. Your promise is true. Your word is yea and amen. Every promise must be fulfilled. Every sick person must be healed, Lord. We are claiming it for the glory of the kingdom of God. Let your power come behind your word now, Lord, and confirm your word with signs following. We're believing you, Father, that you'll move in the midst of your people. Let victories happen because of this service this morning. Let decisions be made, Lord. Let the temptations of the devil fall by the wayside like lying vanities. And let the sons and daughters of God raise and glorify their God this morning who has equipped them to rule and reign in the throne with Jesus Christ. We commit each one to you, Lord. We ask, Lord, your blessing upon the words. All I can say, fathers, I've done what was on my heart and I commit it to you. I ask, Lord, that it will bless your people and that it will draw them closer to you and that it will give them faith in their position in Jesus Christ. For we ask it for your glory in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Do you love him this morning? Let's just sing a chorus or two of shout to the Lord. I just... just Sometimes you just want to shout to the Lord. Sometimes you just want to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Is he your Jesus this morning? Amen. Amen. My Jesus.
I just feel like I'd start part two right now. He's our example. Everywhere he went, our Lord did nothing but good things. Yeah, there was times he cast out the money changers. There's times he had to stand strong and true. But he always had one ambition. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. May God just infuse us with that same attitude and that same character in this day. God bless you. I won't hold you any longer. May the Lord bless your day with fellowship around the Word of God. Isn't the Word wonderful? I love this message. I love it so tremendously. God bless you. Shake hands with one another. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.